0: Rad Radio presents the Rad Probcast. Get it? It's a podcast hosted by a guy named Rob. So it's a Probcast. Very clever. And now here's your host, a guy named Rob. Joining me on the Probcast this week is Shelby Elias from United Wholesale Lending and FinanceWithShelby.com. Hi there. Hey! Thanks for coming back. Yes, absolutely. You're one of our most popular guests on the regular live show. Um, but what happens with that is you come in and you get inundated with questions Yeah. after you right away have something exciting to tell us. And the emails come in and the phone calls come in. And I know you love that. I, I, I I've, The last time I think that you were on the live show, you talked about the, the thrill of the unknown question mm-hmm. that'll come in. But we don't do that on, on the prop because it's designed to let us kind of Take control of the conversation, mm-hmm. and and I know that people when they see that you're on, they're gonna be like, oh boy, Robin Shelby are gonna tell me how to get rich. <laughs> we'll get to that in, <laughs> a, in in a few minutes, but we've never really spent any time on the show. Yeah, talking about who you are. So, how old are you?
1: I am. Let me think.
0: <laughs> oh, you you're, stopped, getting, you're getting you, to that point. You
1: stop counting after a certain you know age. I just had my 38th birthday.
0: Excellent. Yeah. Now, how long have you been successful?
1: Um. Well. It depends how you define success.
0: Did you play sports in high but
1: school? I, I did. I, I played uh, sports in high school. I played baseball, basketball, and soccer. Good at all of them? Pretty much.
0: You seem I, like, I worked really hard. You seem like that kind of guy. Yeah. And, and it's, the work is the key, right? It is. I, you, you're, did you call yourself naturally athletic?
1: I, I, was, I was definitely naturally athletic, but um, you know, it, it really comes down to the work and understanding the work at a young age. I think I mentioned one time on, on the air, maybe not, but I was a child actor when I, when I was growing up. Um, it was just a, a way that my parents could, could make money. And um, so they, they put me into that. But I learned my work ethic through that because I would go on auditions almost every single day and I would get turned down <laughs> every day. Like, you know, thanks for coming in. We'll give you a call back. No call back, no call back. No. So every day I'm picking myself up, starting from zero. And I think that helped mold You know who I am. Um, And then, you know, I would say I thought that I was successful at probably age 19. I really started to define success. But looking back on it now, really, I, I really was always successful in its own you know, in in the own in my own position. So you know, you already answered successful.
0: College. One of the the obvious follow up questions was: Have you ever failed? And j- childhood acting, you mm-hmm. flipped the audition. Did you ever anything anybody's ever seen you in?
1: Uh, well, I was on like uh, some some national commercials. So like a Milky Way commercial. <laughs> um, I was on uh, Marine World commercials. About um,
0: what age range are you doing this? Uh,
1: probably from maybe seven till. Freshman or sophomore in high school.
0: Now, you said your parents got you into it. Was this something you wanted to do or was this a direction that they they steered you it, in?
1: Honestly, it wasn't. It was, it was uh, you know, we grew up not having any money and my parents were looking for any possible way to get money. So they're like, holy cow, Shelby has a great personality. <laughs> he could probably do this. So they, they got me into like one of those Marmazon, you know, things. And it started off kind of like as a gimmicky thing. And then they, they kind of learned like, hold on, there's, an, there's levels to this. And I got a real agent and then, you know, the agent would make money you know on me, my parents would make money and you know they, they would let me, every time I got a commercial, they let me buy one thing. And it, uh, it was cool, it was a great experience and it really did help mold me.
0: So what was, what was it that around, 19 was going on that made you think i'm because that's pretty young yeah to be thinking i'm successful before you realize well actually i've always worked hard and been good at what was happening at 19 that made you think that
1: um I, i started making a lot of money really and and that was that's why i said it depends on you know how you define success in today's world i define success a lot different than when i was 19 so you know 19 it was just really about money and um it was a mortgage boom um and i was in mortgage so we were making a lot of money and, and it, was, it was fun. It, it, I was able to really help my parents out during that time too because you know, I, I was literally making money and I would give it all to my mom. My mom would keep that, the money in, a, in like a savings account. It would help them out too. And then she would literally, I, I saw roommates and stuff at the time, she'd be like, okay, here's a thousand bucks. Go ahead and blow it. And I, I didn't <laughs> even have a concept of how much money I was actually making. It was just, I knew I was making a lot of money there was no way I could spend it. I couldn't go to a nightclub or, or anything. I didn't yeah. want to live on my own. I didn't want to buy a
0: house. 19, you're in that vortex age. There's nothing to yeah. do. <laughs> there was
1: nothing. It was like, okay, cool. I bought a nice car. Can I make my car payment? Awesome. That This is success.
0: So what What got you into the mortgage industry right away, right out of high school?
1: Well, so I wasn't even out of high school. I actually went to college when I was 17. So I started in, in college very young. And um, it... I got kind of catapulted in this world. You know, I had a standard for myself to where I wanted, you know, things that I didn't get to have when I was a kid. And that's really what it, it what sparked everything. My drive really came from that. And um, so right after it, when I got into a four-year, that's when I learned about mortgage. Um, so I went to a JC first, did two years at a JC, transferred to Sac State. And when I went to Sac State, that's when I met the alumni of the Sigma Chi fraternity that I was in, and the alumni said, hey, this is a requirement, you need to pick a mentor. And uh, I said, hey, who's the most successful guy here? <laughs> I, I don't care what industry he's in, who's the most successful guy that has ever been in this fraternity? It was a man named uh, Cody Stein, and he took me under his
0: wing and taught me how to do loans. So was, was the desire, to make money, to have the things that you didn't have when you were young, the driving force. And and that guy could have, you could have gotten a mentor in almost any industry. And if they said, this is how you make a ton of money, you would have gone in that direction.
1: Yes. And and honestly, what it, it was, it wasn't so much a money goal. It was a lifestyle. It was having things that I wanted that I didn't have access to as a kid. Being able to take care of my parents, you know, that, that was a huge motivator was just, Man, this is this is really unfair. Those four boys in my family, we literally had different color carpet in every single room in my house, like red, orange, like it was no joke. And um, we only had one car. My dad b- rode a bike to work. He worked at a cardboard box factory. My mom was the only one with a car. So it, it, it was a life that I kind of saw and I saw other people have. And it was more about the lifestyle. How do I get here? And then I reverse engineered that and I'm like, I don't care how I get there, will I be able to have this lifestyle with this career? And that's where it started.
0: Have you now at 38, have you met or exceeded the lifestyle that you were hoping to get when you were 17 or so?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and that, that changes, you know, and that's, that's, I'd say that the, you, you really grasp, you know, what success is, in your later years, you know, you, when you really start to, to figure out like okay, I, I got that new car, I got that new watch or whatever and, and the moment you get it, it's like okay, what, what's next, that, that wasn't even that cool and you're chasing this void and then you really start to, to figure out that time is the currency. How do I buy back my time? So for so many years from I'd say 19 till 27 years old, I had no time and, and it, it, it stunk, I thought it was great but it, it wasn't. It wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. So now, you know, you learn how important that time is and, and how much that that plays into success.
0: So we have a, <clears throat> I have an expression that I coined like 20 years ago or so um, when, when we were talking on, on the show about being successful, trying to be successful, getting ahead, things like that. And, and it was important for me to delineate what you're alluding to there about how you define success. And, but I didn't want... To diminish the importance of money. Because you know the, the phrase is money buys happiness. Well, yeah. I'm sure you know plenty of people with a lot of money that are very miserable people. Yeah. Or certainly are not anywhere near content. So I couldn't argue that money buys happiness. Mm-hmm. But what I could argue, and I still argue to this day, is that money buys happierness. <laughs> because everything in life is easier when you don't have to worry about insert here. Mm-hmm. Your mortgage payment. Can I, can I pay the, can I keep the the electricity on? I mean, you and I are still going to have terrible days. Yeah. You know, our, our, our dogs are going to die and that's awful, but at least we're not worried about, can we pay to have them cremated? Yeah. And so, so when I hear you talking about growing up and then creating this, envisioning this lifestyle, it's the perfect example of how money buys happiness. And then there's this other side to success. You're talking about time. Mm-hmm. I know also your family is and your friends mm-hmm. just from the time we spent together are wildly important to you. Yeah. You you last time we were when we were golfing, you were getting ready for a weekend where you were having people come from all over the country, well I guess the western part of the country to I think it was it was Tahoe mm-hmm. uh, and you guys were just going to spend the weekend's friends, yeah. family, weekend and kids and yeah. you were you were glowing about it. Mm-hmm. I think it was the happiest I saw you that day. I mean, you were yeah. happy all day, but you were like effusively happy over it. So yeah. h- how big of a role is all of that in your life?
1: Well, I, th- I think that, um, you know, everybody's wired different, right? So you if if you were blessed enough to have success and to have that motivation and that drive and, you know, essentially even a chip on your shoulder, you know, I had a chip on my shoulder that I had something to prove and I not everybody has that. So... If I'm blessed enough to have that, I need to look at the people that allow me to succeed. There's so many people, I mean, my friends make me happy. Their kids make my kids happy. Their wives make my my wife happy. And, and it's you have this massive team surrounding you that allows you to have what you determine to be success. So it's very important to me that I'm taking care of all of those people, right? I read something the other day. It talked about get get revenge uh, or payback. Get payback on the ones that have actually helped you get to where you wanted to go. You know, the, the, those people in your corner that'll do anything for you, and pay them back. Don't get payback on your enemies. Pay your mm. friends back for the life that they've allowed you to have. It's so important to me that I'm that I'm sharing all of those experiences that I have. Um, with everybody who's helped me get to where I'm, I'm at.
0: So, if anybody that follows you on on Instagram, you're you're pretty open about you spending time with your family and and your friends, mm-hmm. and it seems like you you've been traveling a lot lately and yeah. for fun stuff. I remember was it? I don't remember how long ago. A couple months ago, you were up in Alaska on a fishing trip with a yeah. bunch of your buddies. Yeah, it looked like. Um, And it seems like you're doing a whole bunch of that. Is that the element of the time that you're trying to get back, quote unquote? I I am. So you got to design your life, right?
1: And and it's very important to me. So I write it down. What do I want my life to look like? And I mean, am I getting there? Am I accomplishing those goals? So there's a lot of aspect of fun. But what people don't see, even on my Instagram, you know, people like, why do you post that? Why do you post the jets and all all the, the stuff, right? Well, for one, That kind of stuff inspires me, inspires, you know, people different. And I'm not going to hide who I am. You get the good, the bad, the ugly, the the everything. It's like, this is who I am. But what people don't realize is when they see the jet, it's everybody that was on that jet with me going to Vegas. We're going for a convention. It was work. okay? now all of those people, I'm providing them with an experience. I paid for that jet. And those are all my employees that, that do great work for me. They helped me get there. So it wasn't like, oh, he's just taking a job with his friends. Yeah. My friends are the people that are connected to me. They're the people that work for me, people that are helping me. And so for one, it's a great write-off for two, it provides you with experiences, which I'm all about. But the element that people don't see is it's still work. They want to work for me because I provide them with these experiences. And they want to, you know, be on my team. So a lot of that is that uh, we went on this crazy Miami trip. Same type thing. It was with the top 10 mortgage brokers in the country. So people see it and they're like, oh my gosh, you and your friends out. No, actually, that was a complete work event. We, I took the, the top mortgage brokers in the country. We all did a retreat together. We brought our wives. We had some fun. We designed the retreat around learning. Also, how do we help each other grow building those friendships up and I'm learning from other guys that are doing the same thing that I'm doing Same mission that I'm on in non-competing markets So it's it's a win-win, but what people don't see is the the real back end of that and you got to mix it all in You mix your work your fun your family your friendships put it all in one and and it's a it's
0: a winning recipe I think that's one of the sadder things that I see uh, too much is that either because of situations or attitudes or both people don't realize that work can be fun mm-hmm. and, and that even though it might be hard or time consuming you can enjoy it and you can actually like in your examples you can have fun and work and combine the 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 two things yeah um i'm curious though do you do you ever stop uh, do, do you ever just plop on the sofa if you ask my wife yes <laughs>
1: And she hates it because she doesn't stop. My wife, she's the energizer. She's a machine. I mean, you cannot get her to relax. But yes, you know, I I do. Uh, I wake up extremely early and I attack the day with excitement because there's so much that I have to do. And and I focus on the things that I love, you know, like this. It's work there's, I get, I get business from it. I have relationships that come out of it, but I actually enjoy this. Like I look forward to this stuff. So it's mixing it in, but yeah, when I get home, you know, I'm watching the world series right now. It's great. Um, but there's a lot of weird ticks that I have. Like I don't, um, I listen to very little, um, podcast or I mean, very little uh, radio, which sounds cliche. And that's why I said podcast because <laughs> I was like, oh, should I even say this on the radio? But I don't really listen to the radio very much. I don't really watch very much regular TV. It's like a, a structured you know thing. I'm going to watch this show or I'm going to watch this thing. So I don't
0: burn a lot of time. Um, I think that kind of answers that. Do you... We're, do you know where you got your confidence, your self-assuredness, your belief in yourself? You're as you say, you're very unapologetic about who you are for the most part.
1: Yeah, I'm very confident in in who I am and I think that, you know, I'm a great person and I and I do right. Um I think that that might come a lot from my faith, you know? So it's like, you know, I I'm confident in that. I'm confident in my own abilities. I'm a, I'm very confident in my ability to Uh, achieve a specific outcome. And I think I learned that at a very young age. I think that's what's helped me in life is knowing that if you put in the work, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I never have been. Um, But I know that you will not outwork me, right? It's like uh, Will Smith said it once on, Mm -hmm. uh, I will die on the treadmill. You might be smarter than me. You might be better looking than me. You might be more talented than me. But I will not be outworked. If me and you went on a treadmill together, one of two things is going to happen. I'm going to win or I'm going to die.
0: <laughs> I love that. And and it's so funny that you cite that because any longtime listeners know I have cited that exact interview. Love it. So many times because it. it oh, me too. Lo- just absolutely loved it. Yeah. Um, I saw something on your Instagram page months ago, and it was it was the first time that I actually realized that you were a person of faith. I think you mm. were sitting out. I think you were in Lake Tahoe. Not sure it was an early morning thing, and you 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 made you phrased the caption in some way about the the day that God has, had made. It was a very familiar phrase. Yeah, and. And I went, oh, wow, now here's this guy that I'm getting to know, very successful. I had no idea what if, you know, because you don't you don't walk around forcing it on people or mm-hmm. shoving it in people's face, but you also aren't ashamed of it. Did you grow up religious as, 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 just from the beginning as a kid?
1: Um, I don't think that we grew up. It, I mean, depending upon how old, yeah, uh, but yeah, maybe at maybe 10, 11 years old that you know, at an age, my, my parents never really like forced it on me. It was like, Hey, this is, this is what we believe. And, and, uh, you know, you have a choice too. And they wanted it to be my choice, which, you know, I, I really loved. And it was like, wow, this is, this is kind of, this is kind of cool. You know, I, uh, you know, I, you, you, you want to, to kind of feel that the feelings that you get and, and make the, the distinction for yourself. And, you know, that's kind of how it was. My, my wife wasn't very religious when we met, all good. You know, we, I, I still loved her and wasn't a deal you know, breaker for you. No. I mean, we have the freedom to live our own lives and everybody does. You choose whatever you want. It's, it's, it's all good. But, you know, then once, once my wife kind of started to get more involved and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go to church or I'm going to go and, you know, I got a men's group to go to tonight, you know, and it's like, wow, this is, this is something that, um, that I believe and I can feel it. And then she started to kind of feel it too. And that's kind of ha- how we operate. And same with our kids. It's, we don't uh we don't go to church every Sunday. We're not that, you know, family. But when my kids do go and, and and they have a connection, I want them to make that on their own choice, you know, their own freedom to choose whatever they want. So
0: By the way, how many kids do you have? I have two. How old? I have a six year old and a three year old. Is the is the six year old still skiing? That was the last thing I heard. Yeah,
1: we spent a lot of time skiing, yes. And and my my three year old is very excited to get on the skis this year and <laughs> Uh, my wife skis, too. It's something that we do as a family. We have family goals, which which are great. And uh, and that's one of them. It's the most important thing to us.
0: You mentioned uh, earlier, you used the phrase you know, that uh, you're not shy about who you are. You get the good, the bad, the ugly. What's the bad? What? Well, it's, it's the bad is
1: um, sometimes working, you know, a lot, right? My phone is bad. Like, <laughs> my wife is going to love that I said that, but. She hates me being on my phone and I tell her like it it actually makes me like a little bit emotional because I know it's an issue. I definitely have an issue with being on my phone. I cannot let my phone down. I know my wife hates that and I tell her all the time, please don't stop getting on me about my phone because the day that you stop is the day that you don't care. It's powerful. So, is a big, is, big issue. Has, yeah. Has it caused like problems? Um, no, no real problems. But it's just it's not really fair. Like, why am I attached to my phone? Is it work? All it's work? So insignificant. Is it in all my... work or is it? No. Friends, just, everything. Just, just... R- just ridiculous. Like, yeah, I, I communicate with so many people that I'm texting 250 people a day. And it's like, do you really need that many? Like, you, Is that you, a literal number? It's, I'm dead serious. I probably text 250 different individuals every single day. Wow. And so it's catching up with old friends and, and just just people always. I'm just like, why not? Why not have conversations going on here and having conversations going on here and doing this? Like, I, I pack it all in there. And so th- that part never relaxes. And I'm constantly learning, I have this this major desire to learn. If something sparks something that I wanna know, I can't just figure it out later. I'm now on my phone researching that for 45 minutes. I'm like, hold on, babe, <laughs> this is really awesome. And she's like, really, you're you're learning about how much car prices have gone up? And like, who cares? <laughs> I'm like, well, hey, there might be some opportunity for us to sell your car. Right. And she's like, get out of here, what are you doing? <laughs> We're at your son's soccer practice. You're an idiot. And I'm like, oh, I am, I'm an idiot sorry
0: you so you, when we played golf last time uh i saw your you and i were talking about your tesla and you told me the story that uh, because i keep asking tesla owners if they love their teslas and i haven't gotten a no yet everybody loves them yeah um but you were telling me that a lot of times you'll put the self-driving feature on so that you can work yeah while you're in the car and yeah. on your phone yeah it, it, it's absolutely retarded <laughs> like why would i do that but
1: it, it, the car legitimately drives better than me for sure. It has radar on the front of the car, radar on the back of the car. It keeps you perfectly in the lane. You could select how many car lengths to trace the car in front of you and behind you. Like it's it's better driver than me. But still, like really, you can't just wait till you get to your destination. So phone definitely issue. Well, the way the Bad. way
0: you describe your obsession, if you will, with the phone, yeah. I would rather the car drive you because I can't imagine that your mind is occupied by just driving. Yeah. Because you're just not built that way. I know. Now, you said you're not not necessarily always the smartest guy in the room, which Mm -hmm. is what everybody that I know who is successful acknowledges. Because I don't think any of us can walk into the room thinking that. Mm -hmm. We might think we're going to work harder, Mm -hmm. but... We can't think that we're the smartest, but when you're telling me about how you grew up and how you wind up in college, did you say seventeen? Mm-hmm. Is there an element of you? Have you ever been tested? Are you a genius in some way? I mean, is there something besides your work ethic? I I I would
1: say no. Like I I just I don't feel like I really am that smart. I make very good choices. I always make the right choice. You know, and it blows my mind that so many people actually know the choice that they should make and they choose the wrong choice. So, that's just something that I I don't compromise on that. I make the right choices, I make educated decisions, I learn from other people who have already done it. Number 1 key to success. You do not know what you think you know. It, it, you you can't just mix your own thoughts in. That's what everybody does. They're like, you know, oh, I'm going to, you know, do this or make this decision on, you know, purchasing Whatever, And then you have a friend over here, you know, say, say you're going to buy a new car and you're like, you have no idea. You've never bought a new car before. You don't know how to how the dealership works. But your best friend actually owns a car dealership. <laughs> then you go to your friend, which is first step. Great. You're like, hey, can you tell me a little bit about how this works? I don't want to buy a Mercedes. I want to buy a, a Tesla. Well, you just tell me how it works. And then he goes, this is exactly how it works. This is exactly what you need to do. And then you take a piece of that and you mix it with what you know. I don't do that. I take exactly what they told me to do. I abandon all of my own thoughts because they're completely irrelevant. And I do that. And I do that with every single aspect of my life. I find experts that are smarter
0: than me. They tell me what to do and I do it and I execute. That's a hard discipline. maintain that uh, that complete commitment to what somebody else told you to do, even though you acknowledge they're the experts, all results driven. Everything is
1: results driven. When I go to the gym, I hate going to the gym. There's not people are like, oh, yeah, you you can love it. And don't don't you love that? No, I don't. But I love the results that it produces. So I don't care about if I like to do something, you know, Um, I just that's how I live. It's like, It's all results driven. What is the end game? What's the result that I get?
0: Do you know, was there a point in your life where you realized that you always make the right choice?
1: I mean, I'm realizing it a lot more um, now. You know, like, wow, you're really good at making the right choices. And um, people have told me, you know, my whole life, they're like, wow, you know, you've made a lot of really good choices. But kind of seeing how my my life has played out you know you're i'm kind of in that zone you know i've been i've been working really hard for a really long time you know you start off at 19 and you you've been going full speed i've worked a lot and now looking back on it i'm seeing all of those decisions coming into play where it's like i knew that that investing in cash flow and learning cash flow because cash flow gives me my time back i i went from i made a whole bunch of money and I was spending a lot of money, and I knew that I was on this this Ferris wheel of like constantly having to get new business and and do all that. And I was flipping homes and had instant gratification. You sell, you buy the property, you fix it up, you flip it, you get the cash. And and then I went to well, I wouldn't. I would rather have a thousand dollars a month than a hundred grand all at one time. And a thousand dollars is going to grow because. Rents continue to increase where the 100 grand is 100 grand right now. So, learning about cash flow and now seeing it now, I'm like, wow, you know, I own probably over 30 properties and they are all paying me cash flow. And so now I'm looking back and be like, wow, that hard road. You know, I, I joke often and, and I'm in that zone right now is I am the richest broke guy that you know <laughs> because all of my money goes out to investments. You know, and I'm, a lot of times I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have to buy this property because it's going to produce me with X amount of cash flow. But I don't have the money to buy this. What do I need to do? OK, how many more? How many months do I have? OK, if I do this, I do this. I make all these moves. I borrow from here, do this. Then I can get it. How much more do I need to work? Well, how do, how do I reverse engineer this? But now when I'm sitting back, I'm like, I'm wow, look at all these decisions that have just Come into play,
0: you know. We talk uh, on the the regular show a lot about nothing breeds success like confidence and nothing breeds confidence like success. And it's a chicken and egg thing, which is why I asked you the question originally. Because I think, and and that's why I asked you about sports too, I, I, I think that I started with confidence, which... Which led me to making these choices early on in my career and 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 stuff. But maybe it was because I had success as a childhood athlete. I I don't know. Maybe they're intertwined. Yeah. But I wasn't until about a little a little younger than you. So that's probably when you started realize where I went. Where I was doing that exact same thing. I was looking back, going, "Hey, I always get it right, mm-hmm. even if it sucks. You know, even if you forget sometimes that in the moment that you're that good. But and and then you go." And, and what happens is once you realize it, and this seems like where you're at, it mm-hmm. kicks you into a whole new level mm-hmm. because now that you're taking this inventory, realizing everything I have done has been right. Well, then what's the limit? Mm. You have no limitations yeah, because you're going to continue to make the right choice. And now you have the confidence of knowing that. Yeah, And I, I think that is just one of the most empowering feelings. Yeah, And it's not just as we've defined here, work-related. Mm-hmm. That's so important in relationships, parenting, everything else. That that feeling of knowing, and it doesn't mean you don't do dumb stuff, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you, you make mistakes totally. In the end, you get it right, mm-hmm. and that is just such a it's such a powerful feeling. It is, and to and just to see you light up talking about it too is so great. Now you've alluded a lot to some of the the Easter eggs of what of what people are hoping that we're going to give them. The key. To being better, yeah. to, to finding more wealth or more contentment or more happiness or more. Because I think you would agree. Yeah. Not everybody has to make as much money as you. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what they define as what they need or what they want. But how do you get somebody? How do you get somebody started? I've been trying to help as many people as I can on this subject for mm-hmm. two decades. But yeah. how would you start with somebody like that, no matter where they are in life?
1: Yeah. Number one thing is your mindset. It's everything you're going to roadblock yourself and you have to push through that inner cause cause your minds first, it's going to shut you down. I can't do that. I can't, I can't do this. I can't have that. And you have to be able to, to shut that voice in your head down. And then the people that, that you're currently connected to, if they aren't already where you want to go, that's the hardest shift too. Because once you start to tell them about this new mindset and this new, this new world that you might you know possibly be able to get into, they're all going to start to shut you down too. And, and, it, and everybody says, it's a lonely road. And it is. And you have to be confident on the inside. And you have to know that, hey, if that guy can do it, then I can do it. And it is so true. So then you start to feed your mind. And you know, like I was saying, it's podcasts. Podcasts give you great, great nuggets. Listen to the people that are already doing it, and focus on one thing at a time. Don't try to take everything down. Take one little piece and execute, and take another little piece of info and execute, and go on this journey yourself. Don't look for somebody else to jump on and 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 do this with you. You have to do it internally. And um I think that it starts from your mindset. Get your mind right and then you can start to execute.
0: What else do you see other than mindset, mm-hmm. if that's gonna be the, the pinnacle of, of or the starting point for you? Yeah. What do you see that holds people back aside from the the, the mindset in general? Mm-hmm. What specific things do you see people do wrong or screw up? So a mortgage, it's it's your biggest
1: financial investment, okay? And what, what I see a lot of people do is they don't have a goal of cash flow, which they don't, they don't really understand
0: that concept. We should probably take a moment to explain that. I don't even mm-hmm. alluded to it yeah, earlier. Yeah, cash but, flow, what but, it is. And, yeah, what is it?
1: So, so basically cash flow is something that will pay you while you sleep. So it's an investment that you make that continues to pay you more than you're invested in. So I'll give you an example. You buy a property that has a mortgage on it of, say, $2,000. But the rent on it is five $2,500. So the cash flow would be $500 per month. And then what you can look at is, on average, how much does rent increase? Because your mortgage payment is fixed. So at that point, you say, well, I only owe $2,000 per month for my mortgage for 30 years but every year rent increases 10%. So now I start off with a cash flow of 500, but in 10 years down the road, that 500 is actually gonna cash flow you know, X amount. And, th- and then you, you can analyze that investment. So what I think cash flow is so important is because social security is not gonna be an end game. You know, it's, it's not gonna give you the life that you wanna have when you so-called retire. So it's very important that if you want time and you want, you know, where, wherever you're at in your life, you have to find things that will deliver cash flow. And those could be passive investments, too. You know, you find somebody like myself that is is buying different projects and, and you get really comfortable with them and and you build up a relationship. Maybe you invest in something to where it's going to provide you with a dividend. You know, and you say, hey, I'm going to invest in in this and my return is going to be X. You know, um, there's several opportunities like that. You just have to find the time to really get comfortable with it, really understand it, you know, learn how to invest. But cash flow is so important.
0: So the, the thing in terms of the things that that hold people back, no understanding of cash flow. Uh-huh. What else basically? That, so it,
1: some things that that hold people back too is it's it's um i mean they shut themselves down they don't realize that you have the ability to to really do anything you just have to find out what avenue you know to get it from so if if you're looking to build cash flow maybe you can refinance your mortgage and take out funds to be able to to find a cash flowing asset um something else that that holds people back is um Not finding the right people that everybody has access to it, to, to these types of people, but not reaching out and asking the right questions, asking people, Hey, I see that you own rental properties. Let's talk about that. You know, I do that all the time. I'm constantly reaching out. I just reached out to one of my clients because he buys big commercial properties. So when he called in, I was talking to him about it. Um, and he, I was like, hey, what do you do? And he's like, well, I invest in, in large commercial uh, properties. And so, you know, I called him yesterday and I said, hey, Shane, do you have a couple moments to, to talk about this? I want to learn more about what you do. I've never bought a 50-unit apartment complex. How do I break down the deal? So what's holding people back is they're not actually reaching out. They're not asking the questions. You, you find somebody that's doing well and that's successful Reach out to them, you know. Don't don't be scared to to ask those questions and kind of do the homework.
0: There it is, though. I think a lot of what you're describing is is fear. Mm-hmm. People are afraid even to maybe in that last example reach out because the person might say no. The person mm-hmm. might be a jerk. Yeah. Um. We 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 break it down sometimes on the show just talking about you know asking girls out. You know, uh, people write in. Uh, you know, as I get older and everybody else is younger in every room now, they mm-hmm. they'll ask for advice like literally how how do i ask a girl i'm like you just do it Mm. because they can't eat you what's the worst thing that can happen Mm -hmm. they say no yeah and and uh kyle one of my producers says that stands for next opportunity and that's, that's, I'm sure you've been told no in your life. Oh, I'm sure so you've many been times. rejected. Yeah. And, and are you still here? Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. You living? And you, and
1: you learn from that, right? I mean, I, I, I love that example because it's so true. And and it goes back to what I was saying is you've seen other people do it. You've seen somebody that is the ugliest guy in the room with the hottest chick. You've seen somebody that's way older. You know, you, you've seen it. It works. <laughs> Just take a chance and go for it, you know? So, it, I mean, you're exactly right. I think that the biggest fear, it, the biggest thing that's holding people back is fear. Get over the fear.
0: So, um, let's talk a little bit more about what you do specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, United Wholesale Lending. You mm-hmm. own that? that your yes. company? Yep. You started that yourself?
1: When? Yep. I started in 2009. Uh, the company that I was working for prior went out of business. 2009, right after the crash? I mean, I actually started in 2007, but I, I didn't have it off of the ground yet. It took me a couple of years to even get everything going. But yeah, I lost my job. And instead of being fearful and fearing you know, that world, I said, you know what? How do I make this work? Let me go through the trenches, get all of my own licensing. If I didn't have to pay another broker and I didn't have to pay a company, what if I did the loans on myself, all by myself? Then could I get through this if I was able to earn 100%? So I I sat down, I contacted other people that own mortgage companies, I learned, and I just built one brick at a time, one piece at a time until I eventually opened up my company. And um, so we opened in, in 2009, worst time in history to own a mortgage company. Uh, we opened up a, a mortgage company and a real estate company at the same time um, because we were doing short sales and and foreclosed properties on the real estate side. And on the mortgage side, we were just learning more about mortgage banking, building up relationships with the companies that were still there and uh, learning how to recruit. And and that's how we got going.
0: You still love it?
1: I There's parts of the business that I do love, right? I love coming up with the game plan. Like, I love hearing what somebody has, looking into their financial position. And then, like I said, the the right answers have the right answers. I love knowing that and feeling the confidence of that. So I love being able to direct somebody and be like, look, I know what you should do. This is how we're going to do it. All the details. No, I, I don't. I don't like chasing down documents, bugging people the call me back. You know, being against timelines, and so I don't, I don't love that. But I have a great team that helps me with all that stuff. But I love taking those first calls, helping people come up with a game plan that I know is going to help them.
0: What do you see now, and for the next many months, and and whether it's specific to because that's what you do—real estate and and lending—but there's also Mm -hmm. a lot of really. There's a lot of trepidation right now over inflation mm-hmm. um which seems like it could get really out of control uh supply chain issues. What, what what do you see just in general and then also for the housing market over the next 6-12 months?
1: If I it's it's a it's scary time, you know. It's it is uh something that you you have to be aware of and you have to kind of understand what's going on. Um something that I'm seeing is you see all of these shipping containers all over. Okay. And you could look at that on social media and think, yeah, right. That's a bunch of hoopla. This is conspiracy, but I'm feeling it right now. I completed my own remodel at my house. I do not have a fridge. My wife's dad owns an appliance company. (laughs) I don't have a fridge in my own house. It got ordered eight months ago. How is that possible? So it's, it's like, eight months to get a fridge. You try to order any furniture, the car thing. It, it's like these cars are going up in value. Car used to be a bad investment. Now it's a great investment. Why? Because you can't get cars. Uh, Mercedes said they discontinued all V8s into the foreseeable future. You can't buy a V8 Mercedes. Nope. Okay. All the V8 Mercedes just went up in value. Everything. You, it's in, literally impossible to buy a Rolex. It doesn't tell me you cannot buy one. You go into the Rolex store, go into Devon's in the mall. You'll laugh. It looks like they got robbed. They don't have a single thing in the whole store. It's insane. So be aware of, of what's going on in, in those realms. I would say that you're, you're looking at gas. Gas prices are going up. So start to think now like, well, what if gas did go to 8 $10? Can you still afford to drive to work? If you can't, you should probably get into a more economic, an economical vehicle now. You should probably start carpooling right now. Start to plan for, for what might come. And, um, you know, I would say that your money is best in actual tangible assets because when a f- inflation occurs, it it is going to weaken the dollar. OK, if it weakens the dollar, then the things that are going to matter the most is real estate. It's a tangible Asset, You know, people are going to pay you. They need a place to live. Now, why is real estate going to continue to go up? Because everything that goes into that house is harder to get. Can't get the fridge. Can't get the oven. The lumber is absolutely crazy. So they're not going to be building more homes when it costs more and it's harder to get those products. So if you have your money invested in real estate, it's only going to hold its value. Whereas your dollar might continue to go down. Start to think about food, supply chain. You go into the grocery store right now. Eerie feeling. You're like, "Why is there no milk?" This is weird. Well, start to think about some ways that you can feed your family on your own. How do you could grow your own stuff, grow your own corn, grow your own um, foods, Have chickens. Like you, you just don't know what, what's going to happen, but you can prepare, and you don't want to prepare when it's too late.
0: So, yeah, you're describing being proactive as opposed to reacting, which is what I see too many people do. But you're also potentially describing to some people a pretty, uh, I think apocalyptic is too much, mm-hmm. but that uh, maybe things are going to get really bad. I mean, or are you we, just telling I, us I, to prepare I, for I'm the I'm just saying,
1: like, read the writing that's written on the wall. I have no clue, but this is what I do know. You can't get products right now. And it's. It's not going to get any better, you know? Um, you, you were mentioning when, when you were sick. Now you're catching up. Well, if you only have so many ports and all these ships are on the ports, how do you unload them all? <laughs> They're everywhere. Like, the whole reason why I can't get my stove is because it's sitting on a ship out there.
0: You can't get your stove either? i
1: no, no, no. Sorry. My uh, my fridge. I oh got to say what's yeah. in your kitchen. I, I have a stove. I don't have a
0: fridge. But but that that's all I'm saying is. Well, and then and the just, worker shortage, you know. Too, yeah. Right. I mean, so you've got this backlog. I think the last number I heard was 60 tankers in Southern California that need to be unloaded or not tankers, you know, supply ch- ch- ships. Mm-hmm. But then the other problem is that when they come ashore, there's not enough people there to unload them. Mm-hmm. And and, and so to your point about how or when or if do we ever catch up, there's also that issue. What is going on with with the the work ethic in mm-hmm. this country or the desire to work or people not working? I think the, the labor participation numbers down at right right around 60 percent, mm-hmm. which is three out of five of us that are able and capable of working are doing so. And the other two aren't. Mm-hmm. What is what is that about?
1: You know, I wish I knew more about this topic to even really give my two cents. I don't I really don't know. You know
0: I Well, you can't relate to it, I, right? You can't I relate can't, to not working. You know, I,
1: and and I I have lots of people that want to work for me, so I'm not feeling that. Good. But um it, what what I would say is that it we gave a lot of handouts out, right? It was and and it, a lot of them people were taking advantage of it, you know? I did not take a PPP loan, um uh, but a lot of people did, and I know a lot of people that took a PPP loan that didn't necessarily need a PPP loan. So now they're getting all of this, the, this free money and then you know you, you, people were getting paid more to sit on the sidelines and not work than to work. And it wasn't like this was a couple of weeks or a month. This is like two years that people were getting this. So yeah, I, my younger brother, he, he, he was doing the same thing. He used to work at a gym as a personal trainer. Gyms got shut down and he called me one day. and was like, oh my gosh, I've just saved up more money than I've ever had in my whole life. He's like, I have seven thousand dollars in my bank account. I'm like, how? You haven't even been working. <laughs> He's like, dude, I'm getting paid more being at home. So again, I can't really relate, but I, I can can share with you what I do see. Um, one thing is everybody was talking about in in my world, the mortgage, right? Hey, uh, when all these people come off of forbearance, there's going to be this huge. There was none. Of course. The, the, there was nothing that happened at all. I never even got calls at all. I'm literally at all from people saying, "Hey, I can't make my mortgage payment." It was always, "Hey, how do I take advantage of this forbearance thing? How do I not how do I not make make it? Well, can you make your payment?" Yeah. But but what if how do I how do I just like don't can I just like not make it? All right. What's yeah, the angle? Yeah, it's like there it was nobody that was like, "Hey, I I really you know can't so not to say that obviously there was people that couldn't, but I wasn't getting those calls. It was more people that that could they they got the the assistance and they could still make it. So I, I don't know. I, I have all those rental properties. Not one person didn't pay me. Every single person paid. So it's just all my experiences.
0: Yeah. No. And and it's 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 a. It's a fascination of mine. It doesn't help a lot of people that are listening, because I think a lot of them are wondering what the answer is, mm-hmm. too. And I and I get concerned over the, the fact that you're right. We're coming up on two years mm-hmm. of various forms of, of assistance, even though they've scaled some of it back. Well, we haven't seen any improvement mm-hmm. in labor participation, even as some of it gets scaled back. And I, I, I wonder if we've created a mindset, a complacency, a new lifestyle for mm-hmm. people who have figured out how to. In addition to gaming the system, be perfectly comfortable living off of others, like even maybe their families who are very willing to help them. And I just how long can you not work and then still be productive or desirous of working? Yeah, Yeah, that's I mean, one of my my concerns is that when the entirety of the country or the majority of the country figures out okay, the we're, we've got all the data, the pandemic's over. It, we've got to get closer to normal. Mm-hmm. Some of us did that a year ago, right? But but a lot of people haven't. But when we get there, if you've been on the sidelines for a long time, I don't even know how, first of all, how driven you're going to be mm-hmm. or how productive you can be. How, yeah. how I don't know if that's the guy I'm hiring. Hmm. Oh, you've been on your sofa for two and a half years doing nothing?
1: Yeah, that, uh, that's a great point because I think a lot of people, What what maybe might have happened is we learned a lot during this pandemic. We learned how to be self-sufficient from working at home and how to operate Zoom. What about the people that didn't learn anything from that because they didn't participate? Is the world now in a in a new realm and they're not even going to be able to get back into it? Because those people who worked through the pandemic had to be self-motivated, self-driven, and people that didn't participate are not self motivated. They're not driven, and they got used to getting paid more than they were even making at their other job. So, whereas other people are now more efficient, self-motivated, driven, they they're they're onto a new, you know, work ethic and a new new utilizing technology, and other people aren't. I don't know.
0: It's that was crazy. one of those things that that uh i don 't say bothered me, but annoyed me um in the in the midst of twenty twenty yeah, the headlines we get it amazon exploded and and I mean like they weren 't already huge right but but then we 're all living at home, so we 're all getting it at home but there was a lot of envy and anger over. To be completely candid guys like you and me doing really well Mm -hmm. and actually thriving during the pandemic and what you just said is is the truth it's not about the rich getting richer it's about the motivated and the 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 smart and those that can pivot and those Mm -hmm. that can make really hard decisions and changes who the the people that i know who thrived and are still thriving are all what you're describing in, in our own way. And and again, it's not an accident.
1: What what people think too is, is they think, you know, when when bad times hit, yeah, easy for you to say, right? I promise you the pandemic happening was scarier for me than the average person. Because what you don't realize is I have over a hundred and fifty employees that their life and their family depends on me. And if I make a bad decision then they all lose and I'm their leader. So it hit me way harder. But instead of curling up into a ball, I, I did exactly what you said. I pivoted. I said, okay, what do we need to do? I'm going to work. While everybody else is, is worried and, and hanging out, I'm sitting there going, okay, what do I need to do? What's the right decision? How do I do this? How do I get these people to be able to be efficient from home? None of them work from home. They all work out of my office. Oh my gosh. How do I... What, how do I even operate Zoom? I didn't know. I didn't, we don't do Zooms. I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, weekly Zoom meetings, this, that. I need a leadership meeting. We need to appoint this person, that person. Like it, it was crazy. And, but we pivoted, we got through it, and it's more stressful for me than other people realize, you know? Um,
0: and, and this, so that, this brings it. us back to kind of early on when we were talking about. Um, success and, and confidence and knowing that you're always going to make the right choice because when I would say late March early April when the reality was so obvious of what what was happening mm-hmm. I was terrified yeah and I've got five employees there you know about 12 people that count on me directly but then we've got all the indirect people all the salespeople at the radio stations and, and another and I I, I, I was having Panic attacks in my own little mini way, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sitting in my office scratching my head. And the only thing that kept me going was knowing I'm going to figure this out. Mm. I do know I'm going to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And, and that that's where that knowing that you make the right choice thing becomes so important. You know, again, you have the stressful days, money buys happiness, right? You Mm -hmm. were, you were freaking out about 150 employees who, who count on you and rely on you at least you weren't freaking out about knowing where your next meal was coming from which allowed you to focus on that pivot you're right and then and then it comes back to the other things you mentioned earlier you gotta have the drive and the willingness and not not block yourself and when you make a decision realize i'm good at this Mm -hmm. so we're going to go full steam ahead Mm -hmm. because i'm going to be proven right yeah and i think that's that's People need more of that, mm-hmm. and i, I kind of like you putting up pictures of the of the jet on Instagram. Mm-hmm. sometimes people need to hear guys like you and me talk like this mm-hmm. and hope that it motivates them or teaches them something. yep, what haven't we told people about how to be successful, happy, independent, anything else well um i
1: th- I think that maybe what a lot of listeners would want to learn is like you know what are what are some of the things uh, other than listening to the podcast, reaching out to people, you know, um, learning from them, and you know, like what what are some avenues in today's world? Um, and and I'll I'll kind of talk a little bit off topic. This is something. These are some things that are going through my my mind. Okay, one, we live in an Amazon driven society. People think, okay, well that ship's already sailed. It hasn't sailed. That thing is still at the port and and they control everything right now. But not everybody's even adapted to it. And there's not even very many other players. So if you want to learn something, this is you have to figure it, it all. You got to go through Winston Churchill quote is something like you got to go through hell in order to, you know, whatever. I, I forget what the quote is, but basically it's going to suck. You want it to suck. Everything you want is right on the other side of what you don't want to do. Know that. So if you think about Amazon, think about how do I open up a store? There's this little company called Alibaba. What Alibaba is, this is one of the biggest publicly traded companies in the entire world. And no one in America knows what the heck is going on. But I'm about to tell you, this is how it all works, okay? Nothing is manufactured in the United States. Nothing at all. Literally nothing. So the reason why we're having these issues getting supply is because it's all coming from overseas, literally every single thing in your whole life. So now you think about that it's, as far as opportunity. OK, no one understands the reality of that. And this is why it's huge political debate about us not manufacturing anything in the United States. We will never be able to catch up to China. That, that's not the goal. Because China has child labor and they have have like slave labor that is so low that the United States can never compete. That's fine. But you as an individual, you know, consumer or business owner, if you opened up your own store and you find products that are being manufactured from the website Alibaba, order some of them, you know, things that you use in your own life. You know, uh, some of the things that I'm looking at right now, I buy a lot of my toys from there because it's cool stuff that I don't want to pay retail for. So one of them being a foil, it's a foil is an electronic surfboard. If I were to buy it here in the United States, it's $10,000. I want one. I have a house in Tahoe that's on the water and I, I want one, but I'm not paying 10 grand. That's absolutely absurd. What these companies that they're doing in the United States, they're reselling what they got from Alibaba. So I can buy it on Alibaba myself for $2,300 to $4,000. So I'm buying from there. If you buy a certain quantity of these items, they will brand it for you. Companies like Yeti. Yeti does not make their ice chests. They buy the ice chest on Alibaba's website for like $50. And they have Alibaba put Yeti on it. And they ship them here. And they keep them in warehouses and they sell them online to you and they ship them from the United States to your doorstep, but they stockpile them. So just they pay $50, $50. You can go on there. One of those Tumblr mugs that, that say, yeah, to you buy the exact same one for like six bucks. They sell them to the general public here. The only difference is if you buy it directly from Alibaba, it takes you a month to get. If you buy it from Yeti, since they already shipped a million of them into their warehouses, it takes eight days. And also the only uh, only thing that they're doing is just advertising it. But Alibaba is eBay for manufacturers to put their products that they manufacture. I mean, I'm talking every single thing in the world. So when, when you're thinking about opportunity, that's a great opportunity. That's something that I'm looking into. How do I find really good products that I really enjoy that I could put my own label on, market it to the general public, and start reselling those products here in the United States. So that that's one thing that I'm looking at. Which
0: is something a lot of people can do just to start from home, from their garage. Anyone can do that.
1: I mean, literally anyone. You could start a, a hat company. You could buy, you know, a, a really awesome phone charger that's wireless. And I mean, like these things are like eight dollars on on Alibaba, and the only difference between a Mophie juice pack is that they bought it first and they shipped it here, and, th- and they're shipping from the United States, and that's kind of a problem in our society. People want things right now, mm-hmm. so even though I'm even telling you this and you could buy it for eight bucks, you're probably still going to go on and pay $100 for a Mophie juice pack for your phone here in the United States, but it, it's just a great avenue. I would encourage you to look into that. That's a great avenue. Um, another thing that I'm doing right now is I'm looking at Airbnb properties. I, I own a lot of Airbnbs. I actually bought a small um, ski lodge in, in Tahoe and I'm doing more of those. To give you an example, I own multiple multi-units downtown Sacramento for a duplex. It, a duplex would run you about 800000 to eight fifty right now in downtown for a two-bedroom, one-bath duplex. Your mortgage payment on that is going to be somewhere around like $4,500. Okay, So you can take cash out of your current house and purchase an investment duplex. On Airbnb for a two-bedroom, one-bath unit, I'm getting about $5,700 per unit per month. So you talk about cash flow. That's an awesome avenue. Not only are you paying down your mortgage... Paying the whole entire mortgage, but you're also generating cash flow and you get a massive write off called depreciation. A depreciation write off, you only get through an investment property. It's way better than mortgage interest on your primary residence, <laughs> way better. So that's a phenomenal avenue. Look at those opportunities, research different areas. Every single night, I go on. Uh, and I look up every single market in the United States. I'm looking at Tennessee right now. I'm looking at Bodega Bay. I'm looking at uh, Lake Tahoe. Anything that has two seasons—a summer and a winter—that's really the the common denominator. Who goes somewhere during the summer and goes during the winter? Those absolutely crush it. I have a cabin in Incline Village about five years ago. I bought it for five fifty. It's worth one point five million now. It generates about twenty thousand dollars a month of cash flow from that one property. So there's tons of places um, that you could be doing that at, and you know there's there's a method. You don't just go into it blind. If you invest out of state, there's books that will teach you how to invest out of state. There's podcasts that teach you how to invest out of state. So there's a lot of avenues. Those are just to name a couple. Um, but I I love talking shop like this. I love this is this is what I love. I love educating people on this kind of stuff. The
0: thing I, I, that I love too about it and I notice about you is you, especially with the Alibaba example, you say, look, anyone can do this. But also what I've noticed in you is you want anyone to do it. Mm-hmm. You are not afraid of people being successful. In fact, I, <clears throat> I think you genuinely root for them. Mm-hmm. And, and when you get passionate and you talk like this, that's what I feel is I feel like you're actually literally trying to reach through the earbuds and say mm-hmm. you really can do this and you should yeah because why not yeah and and I, I appreciate that that so much and that, I appreciate you good. doing this with me today totally so, I, I love it uh thanks a lot man really appreciate it you are easily one of the two three all-time favorite guests when you come on the show people love hearing your advice your answers but also your motivation so thanks a lot for doing this show. I appreciate it thank appreciate you it. so it's uh Shelby Elias United Wholesale Lending and online at financewithshelby.com did you enjoy this episode of the Rad Probcast? Send an email to rad at radradio.com. A new episode of the Probcast premieres anytime Rob feels like doing one.